Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Investing with Steve Davenport and Clem Miller. Every two weeks, Steve and Clem bring you brief investment insights you may not find anywhere else. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Here are Steve and Clem. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast, uh, Skeptic's Guide to Investing with Steve Davenport and Clem Miller. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about charity as we approach uh, the end of the the calendar year. So, uh, Steve, uh, as we approach the year end, many are finalizing tax planning and looking to harvest losses. The harvest of losses is a process where, of course, you sell securities with a loss, to offset a gain you may have taken elsewhere. Uh, These strategies work when you're itemizing versus using uh, standard deductions. So Steve, what is a donor-advised fund? Thanks, Clem. A donor-advised fund is a very popular vehicle for individuals and small foundations and endowments to um, take money and receive a tax deduction for the money you donated and then leave the management and control of those assets Um, with the person who donated them. So it's donor advised, meaning it's not advised by the charity, it's advised by the person who's giving the money. And it's really a very valuable way for people to defer uh, and to benefit in the year of giving, right? You can not know where you're going to donate something, but know that you want to get rid of, you know, donate a stock to a charity, you just don't know which one. So let me give you an example. If you had 10 shares of NVIDIA and it was at 450 when you donated them and you had a cost basis of about $440 per share, I'd sell it and I'd have a $4,000 gain, a long-term gain. State and federal would add up to about 25% or $1,000 of tax liability. Now I can contribute the remaining 3400 to my charity and they're giving away $100 food packages for families in need. So 34 people would receive this benefit. When I have a DAF, I give the stock to my account at Fidelity and I transfer the $4,400 to my food charity. So 44 people receive the benefit and the tax entities don't get that $1,000. I like to maximize my impact. Well, that's very, uh, that's very interesting, Steve. And I'm sure, uh, uh, a lot of folks uh, would like to uh, explore that maybe on future podcasts. Um, so, Steve, le- let's go to a more basic, a very fundamental question. Why donate to charity? Well, I know this sounds simple, but um, it's good for you. When you look at recent studies, uh, particularly the Cleveland Clinic did a long study on this. It talked about how the body releases chemicals, endorphins, um, when you feel the relief and the happiness of helping someone. So when your body does these things naturally, you you find that you can look at something and say, hey, what are the benefits to this personally? I know there's a a happiness high, you know, a helper's high, but there's other things too. Um, So what they said is there's four basic reasons um, that you will feel good about donating to charity. Lower blood pressure, longer lifespan, less stress, lowers your cortisol level, 
So cortisol is a negative when you get angry and therefore it releases and can have you know, bad effects. The fourth thing is a helper's high from endorphins. It elevates your happiness and it combats depression. So there are great reasons to give to a charity in terms of community impact. There are people who are in need and you're satisfying that as part of your plan in terms of your overall wellness. I think that charity should be thought of just like any other asset, how you've done and how you've managed your impact in charity. So, so Steve, that's, that's, that's really great. I think, um, I think it helps us all to be able to give back a little bit. Um, and of course that's a personal decision as to who you're going to give back to. Um, so from a financial perspective, uh, why, why is charity helpful to your own financial uh, position? So if you're, if you're taking deductions, which I think people with large interest, especially where interest rates have gone up, um, interest in sales tax um, will mean that you don't use the standard deductions. So if you're going to take deductions, when you contribute a stock in 24 to the charity or to the donor advised fund, it, it counts to off just your adjusted gross income. 30% adjustment for stock is the maximum and 60% of your adjusted gross income with cash. So remember, the excess you give, if it's above that 30 or 60% number, will still be counted towards your taxable income. It just be counted towards next year's. It doesn't expire. It just doesn't apply to this year. So deductions in 24, well, there's contributions in the future are the basic reason why these are very helpful. You can take the deduction now when your income might be higher, and then you can decide to give to things as you, you know, as you identify them in your community. Oh, interesting. Um, so you're not really locked into a particular year. Um, no. So what I understand there's some other um, benefits uh, to uh, to this process. So can you uh, elaborate on that? Sure. When you donate to the charities, um, the organizations are analyzed by the people at your particular. In order for a charity to give to, has to go to another charity and they have to verify that that charity is legitimate. So it prevents fraud from occurring in your account where you see something on TV or you see a billboard and you, you send someone money that maybe isn't legitimate. This prevents that from happening. Also, it has a benefit of anonymity. So if you want to remain anonymous when you're giving to something, you can choose to do that. You have three levels of um, disclosure. The first is your name, your address, and your um, and your email. The second level is just the name of the group or the name on the account, which in our case is Davenport Family. Um, so I think that some people like that third option where they don't have any information, they're not gonna get mail, they're not gonna get phone calls. So. Anonymity is another great um, advantage um, of these vehicles, Clint. That's interesting. I, I'm particularly taken by the verification process uh, because you know I've seen circumstances, and probably all of us have, where charities are misrepresenting themselves, and you get sort of confused as to uh, 
as to what they're actually doing. They may have names that are similar to other names or they're yeah, there's, there's going to be fraud everywhere. And the question, you know, we all, you, you and I are trying to figure out how do we do a little bit better, you know, in the market. Everybody's trying to figure out how to do a little bit better. And this to me is a nice way for them. They have something called a charity navigator that looks right. at all the charities and says, here's the ones, how much they spend on the product and how much they spend in the area and how much they spend, you know, raising money. And if you look at it administratively, if they're too large, then you can say, hey, they're not using my money well. I'll, I'll look around at other choices and pick one that's more efficient. That's a great feeling to be, you know, you worked hard to earn that money and you work hard to allocate that money. Totally agree. So, so Steve, what, how, how do you personally or how should one personally decide on the particular charity? You've mentioned the, the navigator. Uh, yeah. but, but beyond that, how, um, you know, what would you do? What, how, how do you look at charities? I think you got to look at it in terms of your personal values. There's four basic types of charities in four main areas, religious, health, education, and welfare. And we see people who need food and, you know, we're involved in a, making a sandwiches for homeless people. So my wife makes it a thousand sandwiches this year. It, it's, it feels good when you're out in the community and you see there are people that need food and you know that you've provided some for them. So there's a certain degree of tying into your own community engagement. There's the religious aspect of a church you may attend or an elementary school or a religious school that you think is, is really doing a good job. Um, health is always a need area. If you have a personal incidents in a family of cancer or something. You can see why that would be a great cause. And education, a lot of people in this country have done very well because of their education and they give back um, at unusual rates. So I think the, the key in the charities is line up your values, try to pick a goal, and then say, okay, how do I like that area? And then if I you like it or you – some people, the hardest choice is deciding between giving more to one or – giving to two or three different charities. And I think it's just like investments. You want to diversify and see how they do. So, so Steve, are there, are there better vendors in this charity space? How do you decide among all the choices that are out there in terms of who's, who's trying to, uh, you know, invest your money in charities? Yeah, I think that the, the most common um, two or three places are Fidelity, Schwab and Vanguard, because that's where a lot of people have their assets. And so I'd encourage people to use them. It's pretty easy. You know, you basically drag and drop from one area to an, to an account that you're already connected to. It really works very easily that way. It also can work out to try a new provider. If you have most of your assets at Fidelity and you want to try an account at Vanguard, make your retirement account at Vanguard or your um, make your donor advised funds in Vanguard. And then it kind of gives you exposure to another vendor and what they're doing and helps you, you know, find out what you're really looking for. So I think community of foundations are an easy way to get exposure because not only are they active in your community already, so they're already working with some of the charities to try to help. So it's a great way for you to immediately go from, I'm not sure what the community is made up of, to now I get a whole picture of 
different groups doing different things and how I my values fit into it. So I'll take this uh, uh, mid-podcast opportunity to thank you all for listening to Skeptic's Guide. Um, you can subscribe, like, follow, share with your friends. Uh, we're on. We're now on all the major podcast directories, as well as on YouTube. So, so continuing here, why why did the days in December matter, Steve? I don't know. I think that people felt that when we talked about Black Friday and we talked about Cyber Monday, there was a there was something less, missing the days after Thanksgiving, and that is the idea of gratitude. And um, so. It created a, a kind of a, a offset to the commercialism of the holidays with calling it uh, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving is Giving Tuesday. And so <clears throat> I think it's important for people to understand that your taxes are on a December 31 and year end. And therefore, any contributions you give need to be given by December 31st. So we're um, obviously we're past the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, but that doesn't stop you from having the remaining Tuesdays being Giving Tuesdays. Yeah, uh, I think you'll see a lot of people. Most charities collect about 25 percent of their year end gifts or contributions during the month of December because most people all wait until the last minute to make their decisions. And I, I think, think that's, that, a, <clears throat> that's a, a common. It's an, uh, it's an American tradition. <laughs> Any ideas on uh, on how much to give, Steve? Um, well, I think that there's different ideas about how much to give away, and there's also how much to contribute of your own assets. Of your own assets, I think you should give what you can, um, you know, feel comfortable with in terms of, you know, how, how do you feel like it satisfies, you know, your desire to help in the community and, and do what you want to do. I think your economics in terms of where you are or close to retirement or in retirement uh, are all going to impact how much you want to give. What I meant, um, when I think about giving, I think about once you have the assets in the donor advised fund, what do you do with them? And how much do you give away every year? You can you know, give away 10% and it might last you know, 11 or 12 years. You give away five, it probably lasts closer to 20 to 30 years. So, I tend to give somewhere around four or five percent. Um, that's the traditional number, and I vary it, you know, two percent to seven percent, and try to keep my five-year average right around five. Um, I think ultimately that's that feels good in terms of your overall. Um, and and I I think that when we go through this, we go through good times and bad times, and I think our you know our ability to give changes, so it's flexible. Uh, but the most important thing is just to get started because if we get started with something small and you see how it works, you, you see the benefits, it's pretty easy to suddenly get on board. Yeah. Are there uh, any things that uh, we don't want to do? Yeah. Don't feel like you have to do it all today. Look at it and say, this is a lifetime account. This is an account that when I pass away, the people who are on it with me are going to take over management of. So we're talking about our kids doing it with us. We think it's a great way to educate them on how is it invested and also what are we going to do in charities and where should we get the money? So we kind of, I have a system I haven't fully implemented, but I'd like to say we get to each of them, you know, does 30% of it. 
um, and makes a decision on where to put that money. So um, I think each each of us has goals. Um, so I try to make it a unifying event for a family around the concept of giving. Talk about it. If you don't talk about it, I don't know how you expect people to get better at it. So I think it's important that you talk about why certain charities in certain times and when it was more basic needs right after COVID hit, we gave more money to basic needs. When we tried to do other things, we focused on education and health. So it all changes as you go through time, but 5% is my number. Uh, so, so Steve, um, let's take a look at the mailbag here. And basically what we've got in the mailbag is a question as to whether uh, either of us use a donor advised fund. So I'll tell you for me, uh, I don't, uh, but based on our discussions, I think I will definitely uh, look into that. We do give uh, a lot to charity. I kind of leave it to my wife uh, to make those decisions. Uh, so I think the two of us, and I'm sure a lot of us uh, maybe like that too, leaving our spouse uh, uh, to make that kind of decision. Uh, so I think uh, we're going to sit down and decide if we can do this uh, in a more structured way than than we've done in the past. How about you, Steve? Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I joke with people. I call it uh, Davenport Co. You know, uh, I try to manage the family's you know, finances and where we are and how everybody's doing. You know, it's just a... You know, I think that when you think about giving, you want to think about if, if your daughter is working in a particular area in sociology and is hearing about a certain thing going on in the community that's, you know, could be easily fixed, you know, you find a charity to focus on, you know. So I think it's it's really a great opportunity. Um, we've had a, fidel a Fidelity Donor Advice Fund for about eight years. We've contributed about $40,000 to it. And from that 40,000, we've contributed 22, 23,000 to uh, various charities. So being mathematical people would think, okay, 40,000, 23, that means there's 17,000 left. Um, but <laughs> no, the uh, because you're allowed to grow the assets before you give them and you're allowed to grow what you still have in the account, we still have about 30,000 in the account. So I think that money is making money for you tax-free while you decide what to focus my, your grants on. I think that's a, you know, a great way to, you know, make something that's really important to you. Charity is really important to me. I really want to try to make the world a little bit better and I'm doing it through my actions, but I'm also doing it through my money. And I think that when we look at this, using your money well, this really makes a lot of good points. So I'm going to summarize. When you take deductions, this is a great vehicle to consider. Bottom line, I'm not saying anybody should do it. I'm saying you should consider it. Charity has health, community, and other benefits. It is good for you. It's good to think about. It's exciting to go to visit people who are doing good work. And it's exciting to know that your money and impact when you see a package of food going to a family. Start slow, get comfortable. This is a long game. Giving and helping in your community shouldn't be, we do it this week and then we don't think about it. It should be, a, you know, what do we think are the things that will help? And then working with others in your family can be very unifying. 
It can help you understand what's important to them, their values, and it can help you mold and shape um, your own views as you move on. So we all change as we grow up. And I think as skeptics, we're going to always be looking at what's the best way to do this? And how should I, how should I do things that are going to benefit me and my family and the community long term? So I'm going to call it an episode and the, you'll see in the transcript some links to various vendors. Um, and I think you'll find that useful if you're looking into this concept of donor advice fund. Anything you can think of, Clem? No, I think uh, I think uh, we've covered the topic. So, you know, Steve, I thank you for uh, this topic, and uh, and thank you for introducing me to certain elements of it. You know, I always I find that I'm learning something new all the time, and uh, and certainly this donor advised fund um, uh, business is something that's you know somewhat new to me. I haven't used it yet, uh, yep. but I think I will. I think I will. It's good to consider, you know. Yep. All right. Have a good The views shared on this podcast represent the personal investment views of the hosts. They are for educational purposes and not meant to be taken as investment advice. Listeners should consult their own investment, legal, and tax advisors. Past performance of any investments is not a guarantee for future return.